Okay, real quick, the PDR Launchpad signups are now open. Uh, you can sign up for the program at my website at coachcoreyk.com slash the PDR Launchpad until March 9th of 2021, and then it closes. This program covers everything you need to know in order to launch your business. Sales, marketing, branding, running ads, selling high-dollar PDR, etc. It's in-depth with weekly live Q&A. This will drastically reduce the time required to launch your business, and it comes with a guarantee. If you don't like what you hear in the first call, I'll give you a refund. If you can prove to me that you implemented what you learned over the first year in business and it doesn't work for you, then I'll give you a refund. This can be used to grow your business if you're struggling, create a plan for how to grow your business when you're done with PDR training, or write a business plan to get a bank loan for training and tools. Again, coachcoreyk.com slash PDR Launchpad. See you there. What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today on the episode, we have Mr. Dave Shalat. He is a tech out of Arizona currently uh, who runs a wholesale retail route, just like myself. He's a big proponent of the idea that wholesale is not dead. <laughs> and you probably heard him talk about that other places. Um, he had a long career with Dent Wizard before he moved his family to Arizona. Um, and Dave can tell some amazing PDR stories uh, for hours. And hopefully we get to hear just a few of them today. I know this because when I was in Arizona in January of 2020, I Facebook messaged Dave and said, hey, never met you. I'm a tech out of Northern California. Can we meet up for a drink um, and hang out? And he's like, yeah, sure. And we met and we talked for, I don't know, several hours. Um, that's the kind of guy that Dave is, um, always willing to give and share and, and tell his stories. And I think since then, we've become friends. So welcome to, the, welcome to the show, Dave. Hi, Corey. How are you? Great. Never better, man. Happy to have you here. Happy to um, be here. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning. You know, you've been doing PDR for like at least five years or so. Um, <laughs> this goes way yep. back. But how did how did you find this? How did you find this weird little PDR niche we're in? And and what do, year did you actually start? Uh, so it, I was uh, I was twenty years old, Corey. So that was five years ago. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, something I'm, like that. I'm twenty. I'm twenty five again <laughs> <laughs> for the twenty fifth year. Um, and it was uh, the year was 19, uh, 1991. And I was working for my family business in the plumbing trade. And uh, a lot of old school guys will remember this name. And you'll know the name of the company out in California, uh, currently um, Dentology. And Darren St. Ivney and his partner, Jim Parad started that company uh, after they had uh, finished their uh, time with Dent Wizard, so to speak. Darren St. Ivney uh, was a plumber by trade, and so was his father in the area where I grew up close to St. Louis. Uh, Darren's sister had been married to a gentleman named Clay Smith in Dent Wizard, and Clay was their regional or, or national account manager. And, and uh, so that was kind of my, my that's the, the short version of the story. That was my in to Dent Wizard. And so Darren's father, John St. Ivney, the plumber, uh, contractor was buying from my father, the plumber supplier, and knew at 20 years old that I was looking to maybe make a change uh, and kind of uh, find myself and, and discover something new. Cool. Darren had already gone through training in Dent Wizard and had moved out to Los Angeles and began working and had pretty good success uh, quickly. And so John thought I might be a good fit, meaning Darren's father, and put me in touch with the uh, local St. Louis franchise owner. And that kind of parlayed into me being a corporate technician for Dent Wizard uh, because there were some issues and it's not my business to, to spread those rumors. But <laughs> there, there are a couple of issues, some growing pains, let's say, early on in Dent Wizard back then with the franchise owners and, the, and, and Lido, who was the owner of the company and so on and so forth. So it was, uh, it was late 1991 that I, uh, uh, that I was hired on and went through training. Uh, matter of fact, it crossed over into early 92, uh, but that, that began my career with Dent Wizard. 
Man, that's awesome. So way back then, that's actually the same time people that listen to my podcast regularly know my dad started Dent Pro on the West Coast in 1991. I just yep. got off the uh, recording with Don Cavanaugh. I guess you guys talked about that, that we were recording, both recording the same day. And he was like 89, 90, kind of started yep. right around that same time too. So this, yep. is, like, with, this is the beginning. With Jürgen. Yeah, with Jürgen. Yeah, directly trained from um, Jürgen from Germany. Um, yep. This is like the beginnings of PDR, really, right? Certainly North American PDR. North American PDR, sure. Yeah. You know, so, without question. And a couple, you know, there were a couple other old school guys that had started as well, you know, mm-hmm. that that have been around a long time. And, um, you know, well, there was I, I guys, I'm, I'm, guys all over in the night. There was another guy in, in just in Sacramento in, in 1990, 91 named uh, Jim sure. Hapgood. Um, I'm sure there was guys sprinkled all throughout the U.S. in every state that started all around 1991, but had no way to communicate that to all the other dent guys because it was such a tiny little little niche. Right. Um, and it was very secretive. Each each company, yeah. you know, they were all very, very closely guarded and close to the chest. Sure. You, you know, they they really wanted us not to let anyone watch when we first started, you know. That was coming from Dent Wizard, you're saying? Like Dent Wizard that, said, that hey, was coming from Dent Wizard, but that was pretty much everyone. I mean, even even Jurgen would pull cars to the back, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure I'm sure Jim Hapgood did. I know he, he did. Know, he did. Uh, uh, boy, Mark Paletta did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Kraft. Uh, you know, a lot of these these early early guys. You know, I know. Did you do that? Uh, yes, we we were. It was kind of part what of was our the purpose. Agreement. Because because you figured people could see you do it and then just learn how to do it quickly. Everybody thought, yeah, everybody thought. So it was kind of this this guarded uh, trade secret, so to yeah. speak, right, or yeah. an industry uh, industry uh, uh, knowledge. And what was and the secret? Like, get a metal tool on the back and push on it. That was the get secret. Get a metal rod right? and push out some metal. The secret was to bend some metal and make it look different. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, okay. <laughs> But, but, you know, Dent Wizard had this, they, they had this formula, right? And this building block and this plan and this structure, which, you know, and, and other franchises did too, whether it was Dent Pro or, yeah. you know, Mended Dent or Dents or Us or, you know, whatever it is, every, every Dent book, you know, every Dent name under the sun. And, but, you know, they, they had this building block where they wanted to make sure that that, that uh, trade secret was kept that way so that they had, you know, market, uh, 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 I don't want to call it privilege, but they had yeah prominence and and uh, and eventually dominance is kind of what they were going for. But yeah. you know whether or not that was achieved is is you know not my place to judge. But it was a it was a guarded secret and it was part of our employment agreement because then we also were entered into a non compete and a non disclosure agreement. So it was all very structured, right? Which was good yeah. for building and growing and and they did very quickly you know exponentially grow in, in a rapid rapid pace. Absolutely. Yeah. Much faster than most, you know, my dad started in 91 and by 2000 had maybe, you know, three guys working for him <laughs> and Dent Wizard had hundreds. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, Dent Wizard, I mean, some people, you know, some people feel good about Dent Wizard. Some people feel bad. Some people feel indifferent. You know, everyone gets to have their own opinion. You were on, you know, you were a big part of Dent Wizard and you talk really highly of them, which is great. I mean, I'm of the mindset that like, you know, people will talk about, um, like, you know, amazon.com changing the way we do business and crushing small business and all that stuff. But I think what's interesting is that there are tens of thousands or potentially even millions of people that own a small business that sell through Amazon. So in some sure. way, Amazon has created an opportunity for other small businesses to create, you know, to, um, have a livelihood. Right. And in some way, Dent Wizard too, like Dent Wizard um, has created a lot of PDR technicians, right? Without maybe Dent Wizard training so many people, we would be in a position where we have way less technicians. So it's not like Dent Wizard is this big, bad, scary company that like has technicians that are, don't do good work. Maybe in your area, that's true, but there's tons of phenomenal Dent Wizard technicians or whether they're currently at Dent Wizard or came from Dent Wizard or whatever. So you worked there for a long time and ended up, I guess, moving up through the ranks and you did some like overseas stuff and some big, like big jobs for Dent Wizard. Do you have any, any fun stories you can share with us from, from those times? Not all yeah, of them. I've, okay. All right. I've got two. I, I've got two that I'll tell you. One okay. was about, one was about uh, 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 the living, uh, <laughs> living quarters that I was under. And one was a, one is a great story that, that a lot of technicians and some hail guys here in North America know. And I'll start with that. So we, we 
we, I, I still act like I'm part of the company from time to time. We, uh, back then it was we, Dent Wizard and Mannheim at that point owned Dent Wizard, meaning Mannheim Auto Auctions. Mm. And Mannheim had made an acquisition of a uh, vehicle reconditioning company based in the UK that had full reach with throughout Europe. And that was called Dent Masters. And they had a, they had a paint division called Flying Colors, uh, you know, for bumper repair, uh, wheel repair quite, you know, wasn't quite prevalent yet, but wasn't far off. Uh, but Mannheim wanted to have this technology partner in Europe that kind of mirrored what was being done in North America at the auction level. And so they made this acquisition and handed it to Dent Wizard to, to run that company, essentially. And I was fortunate enough to uh, have a passport and it was valid. And that was pretty much the requirement that was asked of me uh, from, from, from the regional vice president. So fast forward a little bit, um, you know, there, there was a lot of hail and catastrophe things done and some manufacturer relationships that, that we had along the way. And that parlayed into uh, Volvo calling and asking us if we could help with a particular issue they had on their Volvo S60 model. Now, this is just about- Out of manufacturing, two, right? Out of manufacturing, like, yeah. I'll, I'll explain it. So this was somewhere around 2000, let's call it 2000, uh, maybe late 99, doesn't matter. And I flew over to uh, essentially to Sweden to their stamping factory. And what you actually do is you fly into Copenhagen, Denmark, and then you take a two hour taxi ride over to the stamping factory. And Volvo owns the entire town, right? Yeah. Because it's just this small town in, in South Central Sweden. And Volvo, if you don't work for Volvo, you work for a subsidiary of Volvo. And, it, and if not, then you either work at the hotel or the pizza joint that provides you know, the, the accommodation for people or that Volvo. visit the stamping factory or need to eat, yeah. So, it, I mean, I'm telling you, Volvo owns that town. So I get over there and they're having an issue and there's a small dent in the top corner, uh, top front corner of the left rear door, if that makes sense. The corner closest so, to the driver door? The corner closest to the driver's door, okay, so tough right, spot. Yeah. right at the window, uh -huh. right at the window. Mm -hmm. Tough spot, but wide open because the bracing wasn't all completely there yet. Sure. We were dealing with, we were dealing with bare metal uh, shell, essentially a door shell. And they came in these big, huge racks for delivery to the assembly plant. Mm -hmm. So there's like 32 doors per rack, right? You need a forklift to move these racks. That, that job turned into a three-year uh, uh, work contract for us. That was just one of the most lucrative things going, right? And it wasn't the most expensive per panel deal, but the technicians got paid well. You had a 12-hour shift. Uh, and because of their kind of just-in-time assembly and delivery uh, and parts and manufacturing piece, it was a 24-hour-a-day deal. Yeah. You know, the, the, the factory couldn't afford to shut down the stamping plant because of the far-reaching implications down the line where uh, assembly and paint and vehicle delivery and all of that would be affected. And internally, Volvo had fines that they would impose upon themselves if they couldn't get the product between divisions or departments, so to speak. Wow. And so it was, it was less expensive to contract us out for three years uh, than it was to shut down and try to, to retool the die or control the speed of the die or whatever the issue was. Whatever was going on. They didn't even know the issue. So they didn't even whatever was like going on, yeah. figure out how to solve it and then solve it and just mess up the whole entire supply chain. Right. So that's, so, that's, you know, pretty, the unique, that's pretty cool. The unique challenge was trying to figure out how to do this on bare metal and get that sheen that we all count on, you know, from the clear coat or from the, you know, the, sure. the, the, uh, the reflection we get. Right. Yeah. And, and so we, we ended up using some compound or chemical that they had that, that created a sheen on the panel for a long enough period of time for us to get a reflection and fix the dent. Nice. Uh, but then it would dissipate and then would not interfere down the road during assembly and painting. Right. Perfect. That's pretty So cool. that was a, that's that was, quite a, that that's a quite great, an experience, man. Like overseas for you, and you lived over there. Did I mean at that time you were what late twenties or young thirties or something around that well, time? I've, I've been twenty five the whole time. Didn't oh, that's right. Forgot. That yeah, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I I would have been I would have been, uh, been mid to late twenties. Give or yeah. take. And you lived out there for three years. And and, and I, yeah, I lived. I, I had residency and a work permit and resided and had a UK base and address for what that's worth for three years. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's quite yeah, an experience. It was very, very, uh, very cool. Now, you know, it actually had started out, believe this or not, as a six week trip <laughs> to help provide with some technical support and training. Yeah. And, and there was some scattered hail that had hit. One of the Honda manufacturing plants had been hit with hail 
right about that time. And so uh, one of my assignments was going to be to, to help uh, coordinate hail repair for Honda and also catch the vehicles that had already been uh, distributed for, for sales to the dealership network. And, uh, and that turned into, you know, as we discovered, there were some issues, uh, but, you know, notwithstanding, we, we took it on and, and did what needed to be done. But there were some issues with that acquisition that, that you know, led to it being a longer assignment. Let's Six weeks turns into three years. That's a little longer. Six weeks turns into three longer. years. Yeah. <laughs> but quite a longer. Only provided to you by Dan Wizard. Which is tremendous, cool. tremendous, yeah. Cool. yeah. And you said sleeping quarters. Is that sleeping quarters? Well, <laughs> on the on those Volvo cars or what? No, no, no. This was this would have been a home that we rented, and uh, and we kind of think the place was haunted, and and there were three of us that were the the mainstay. Uh, a guy named Scott Blend, who is a phenomenal technician, and I, I last heard, and I don't know that he's fully retired, but you know he had KHS and Dent was it required them, and I don't know if he's fulfilled his obligation. Scott's been a, yeah, another, you know, long-standing technician of 30 plus years. Um, you know, he finished second in the Dent Olympics back in back before that was even fashionable. Yeah, at MTE back in like, you know, like 1996 or 98 or something. That's before cool. before anybody even really knew about it. Yeah. Um, you know, he just he was he was fantastic. So he and I and another guy named Mike Morrison who ended up working with a company called CSI. Uh, who's now merged and done some things on the hail yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. The three of us had rented a house together in a little town called Nottingham, England. You know, you might know Nottingham and Sheriff of, sure. you know, Sherwood yeah. Forest and Little John and that whole, that, that area is, it's, it's, it's real. I mean, it's a real place, right? Sure. The characters may be fictional from that story, you know, <laughs> from our childhood, but, but there, there is a Sherwood road, there is a Sherwood forest. Uh, so we lived in Nottingham, which is central in the UK. And, um, and we had a house and we, we really thought the house was haunted. And there was one night and it was, it was late and the house was dark and quiet and pitch black. That was the one thing I really liked. You could really, you know, when your room's really dark in a hotel room and you just are like, I just want to stay in bed. Yeah. You know, you, it, you could get that feel if you wanted, but it was a beautifully appointed house. It was furnished. There's plenty of room for all of us. And one night there was a picture that fell off of my wall in my bedroom. And scared the daylights out of me because I was in this deep sleep because the room was so dark. And I jumped up and turned the lights on and I grabbed the closest thing I could find, which was a candlestick off of the chest of drawers. <laughs> and I swore, I figured somebody was in the house, right? I mean, it was that kind of noise that just, and you didn't quite know where it came from because you were asleep. So dark. You're startled. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, you know, we rented this place. It's, it's mine to defend as well. So. I jumped out in the hallway, you know, in my skivvies and my candlestick. <laughs> I can see that. Ready to, ready to, you know, ready to swing and take somebody's head off. And the other two guys poke their head out of their bedroom doors and like, what the hell's going on? Oh my gosh. And it was this picture that had fallen off the wall, you know, and, and, but just, you know, absolutely scared the heck out of me. <laughs> was this a debt related experience? Were you there for, you were there for some dent wizard doing? That, that was my, yeah, that was my, that was one of the residences gotcha. that I had gotcha. during that period of time. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you so, know, the, the hotel, the hotel piece got a little expensive and a little old, but yeah, you know, that was, it was, it was a necessity as well though, because I was that, that three year period. I, I, this is, I'm not bragging. I was on an airplane once every four days on average. It was insane. That's the amount lot. of travel. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. But but again, a tremendous experience, right? Yeah, for sure. Thanks to that. thanks to Dent Wizard and Mannheim, and you know, and, and again, I, I have I have a lot of um, I, I have a lot of um, good memories. Uh, there were days that weren't so good, you know. And a lot of guys will tell you stories, like you said earlier, mm -hmm. both sides of the yeah. both sides of it, you know. That uh, but I, I really think, like you said, without them, I I, I think we'd still be you know, still be evolving a little bit more in the industry. Further back in the stone ages of our industry, for sure. Right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a couple stories from your, what, tw what 20, 25 year dent wizard career from basically what, when you're a birth till 25 years old, basically. Birth um, till 25. Yeah, yeah. birth till 25. So um, what just, if you, I don't know if you can answer this quickly or if you feel like you want to or whatever, but what, just to put it in context, what does dent wizard do right? that's great. And what is something that they can improve on to maybe that from your perspective, now that you're outside of them and something you feel comfortable saying that they can do to maybe improve on what they're doing for our industry. You got, you got answers to those? 
Well, I think their training is still pretty solid yeah. in terms of dent repair. Now, I, they, they're offering training, obviously, for wheel repair. They've expanded into so many industries. Mm-hmm. You know, the keys, locksmithing, the wheel repair, the paint repair. Uh, you know, they're selling some they're selling some additional products or a couple sure. of mergers they've had recently now with dealer tire uh, yeah, that, dealer I, tire. that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, their 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 training, their their core training is very good. Fundamentally, it's very good training, you know, and we all talk about how training is advanced and it's easier for the newer you know generation, the, the young guys now yeah. to come in because reflection techniques have improved our ability to explain our experience level mm. uh, has grown so that we can convey that information uh, because we're no longer having to. To, to invent it right yeah sure uh and and so that ability you know these guys that are coming through training classes now and whether it's dent wizard or if it's mike toledo or mike seawald or you know whomever going to advance with bryce or whatever that looks like yeah you know the the training piece i think is is uh has always been a a good staple for dent wizard, a good core and base um i think they lost a little continuity i'm not even going to say think i'm going to flat out say i know they lost continuity with their dent technicians as they expanded and grew into these other services sure. because they kind of neglected and the dent guys, you know, we're, we're a rare breed. Dent guys took it a little personally, like, Hey, you're abandoning us to go after the keys. Yeah. You're abandoning us to go after paints and wheels. And, you know, you w- what are you doing to keep growing the dent business? You know, and the dent guys are the ones that put the company on the map. Right. right. It's called Dent and Wizard. It's called Dent Wizard. Right. Now, of course, it's a reconditioning company. And but smart, again, they wouldn't have grown repairs. without it. Smart repair. Exactly. Yeah. But they wouldn't have grown had they not expanded or certainly not grown as much had they not expanded and built upon those relationships that they had early on. Right. Totally. Right. 100%, yeah. So there's a little they, they, they've lost some disconnect there. And, and I'll give credit to Kevin Beatty uh, when he took the company over from Lido and even Lido as well, because he was he was good at making you feel. Uh, wanted but kevin Beatty, the former president who sold then to dent wizard mm-hmm. uh he and and vice president terry cabby and and uh, everybody under their under their uh, leadership really I don't, I don't know how he made it around the country to so many christmas parties year after year to pat you on the back to remember names to make you feel yeah. good right that's awesome that and and that kind of you know that family <laughs> feeling is long gone but kudos to them for doing it for as long as they did yeah, I mean, yeah, at some point when you grow to, I think they're at like 2,500 employees now, right? Um, it's it, That family feels tough to maintain for uh, sure. Oh, you can't, you know, who, who can remember 2,500 names? Yeah, nobody. You know, apart yeah. from that guy that you and I saw in that. Class. Oh, yeah, the, the memory champion guy. <laughs> the memory guy. Though? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if he, I don't know. Yeah, Just got to put all those guy. names in Alice and you'll be all right. And here, look at, I can't even remember his name. Oh, God. <laughs> people are like what are these talking about okay so that's like first 25 years and now it's like into first 25 years. dave shallot that people know right so at some point right you left dent wizard packed up the family moved to arizona became the wholesale guy got on the mobile tech rx as that right all that stuff so where did when did leaving dent wizard become a thing why did it happen and and why'd you move what, were you chicago is that what it was yes moved across the entire country like, tell us yeah. how that, how that, that thing happened, that whole life-changing experience. The kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. That's it. <laughs> right? The Beverly Hillbills. Yeah. Um, how did that happen? So my house got acquired for a highway project mm. and, you know, and I had maximized on. Like on eminent domain stuff? I didn't get as far as eminent domain okay. law. Mm. We took an early acquisition buyout, which is okay. a little unwritten rule under federal guidelines. Gotcha. Uh, and I don't want to get into that because it's boring that's, as all yeah, get okay. out. Um, and, and, you know, I had maximized my compensation structure and I had held various positions sure. um, with my former employer. And I was at the auction, uh, chasing car after car after car after car. And everybody yeah. thinks the auction gigs, a, 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 you know, there's a misconception. Let me put it that way. Between the majority of the country and the auction with the Ford rep in Chicago, because he is a customer that's concerned about quality. And if you're doing the Fords in Chicago, you better be, you better bring your A game Mm. because he walks all the cars every two weeks after the repairs are done, whether it's body shop or PDR Hmm. or whatever, (coughs) excuse me, and, and demands high quality. So these, these, um, you know, the, the premise of an auction tech 
and the things you see on the dealer lot and so on being hacked up yeah. uh, was not the case, certainly in Chicago, right? I've been to those auctions where it is the case, you know, drilling again, over, my, type of over my time. Well, no drilling at the auction level with the manufacturers. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, nice. But yeah, but put a tool in it and bill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, make it, make it like lumpy oatmeal and move mm-hmm. on. Right. There you go. Yeah. And, and so that, that's one thing, but I was there, I was, I'll call it fat, dumb and happy because I had, you know, 40 to 60 cars a day being assigned uh, to, to be worked on. So I had plenty of work. Yeah. And it just kind of, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. You know, I, I could work as long as I wanted, but the time had come and they, they, our home getting acquired was kind of that linchpin yeah. Yeah. to make that move. Mm-hmm. And then I had, a, I had a couple of people that I knew in the Phoenix area um, that had transferred out here. Uh, they had a big hailstorm here in 2010, mm-hmm. which I was, I was not able to come and join or, or help anyone because I was still in the Midwest and I had plenty of hail and other things uh, coming through the auction and my, my affiliation with the rental industry sure. as well. And, and that time in, in one area like that. And so I didn't make it out to Phoenix for the 2010 hailstorm, but, you know, stayed in contact with a couple of people that I knew. And that was kind of the linchpin. So the, the house got acquired. I had maxed out with Kent Wizard and just thought, you know, Hey, I've been here 23 years. I've got my gold watch. Thank you. It's been a great run. Do Peace. something different. <laughs> Let's do something different. That's crazy. And my what, wife, year, what year was it? This was 2015. Okay, yeah. So five, six years. So ago. this is, but this was a this was a lengthy plan because this housing acquisition took a while. There was okay. some there were some issues with the uh, engineering piece, and they regrouped. So it, we knew for a while that we'd be leaving, but essentially January of 2015, I gave my notice at the uh, you know towards the end of December and. I think I worked the last week or 10 days of January or something for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to make it a clean break at January 1st, but it didn't, timing just didn't quite work out that way. Yeah. For um, sure. With clo- with closing on my new house out here, but that was, that was 2015. Uh, and that's how it came to be. And then I got in touch and, and, you know, Vince D'Alessandro, yeah. I, I got in touch with Vince on Facebook. Just, I can't even remember how it, how it came about. But I finally had kind of given some given some um, time and significance to to Facebook going, hey, wow, this is probably a pretty this is probably a pretty vital piece of information, communication, social media technology thing. Yeah, sure. What, what is this? What is this book yeah. of faces? Right. And, but but like I just I didn't pay attention to it because we we're remodeling our house. And then yeah. when we stopped remodeling, knowing that we we're going to be acquired, you know, my 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 desires and directions were in a different different place than than they were you know when i moved and then now i've got you know i've got this great data plan in phoenix now and 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 uh, i can do whatever i want and look on facebook and you know (laughs) and just kind of just kind of took it took a breath right and did a few things for myself yeah so to bring it back to like you go from chicago to arizona and you you've never lived in arizona you don't have dealer contacts or people contacts in arizona you're you're pretty much starting fresh right absolutely so so for the guys that are either you know starting a new business or moving to a different area or all that stuff. I mean, gr- granted, you probably had a little bit of a luxury of like, you know, you had a couple, two nickels to rub together and you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to make money tomorrow, but like, what do you, what do you do first, right? You move to a new area, you just start your business, right? You legitimize your business. You got your business name and your truck and everything like day one, you got nothing to fix. No one's calling you for debt repair. Like they were, you didn't have 40 to 60 cars lined up. Where do you go? What do you do? It's, you treat yourself for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you for, IHOP. <laughs> that's first things first gather your thoughts okay get some pancakes got it you yeah all right yeah. you gotta you gotta be prepared and have a full belly if you know if it's you know if you know dave break. you know that he loves he loves his lunch <laughs> lunches and breakfast what's the first thing you do what do you do um <laughs> what do you do you you go and you get your nose broken by that door slamming on your face right on your you know slamming closed yeah, over from and over and whomever over. you're going to, yeah, whomever yeah. you're going to pursue for your business, right? And 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 I'll circle back with with my Facebook story, but you you know, I literally regrouped. I, I spent ninety days working for a guy out here. I'll I'll give you that much. Yeah, and okay. it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and it didn't work out the way that I had thought. 
and that's when I regrouped and put everything together, like you said, and, you know, got my shirts, got my truck, got my business cards. Now what? Okay. <laughs> now what? That's the easy I didn't stuff. Really, yeah. And, and, and over those 90 days, I pretty much only went to uh, one or two locations, including this guy's uh, uh, retail facility that is no mm-hmm. longer. And um, maybe don't try to look him up. Don't try to figure out who it is. And, and a dealer or two here, right? I didn't know my way around geographically. Okay. Yeah. That was a, that was a big one. I hadn't done any of that old school kind of, uh, you know, you used to be able to get like those Dun and Bradstreet printouts, right. Or those, those marketing things with what businesses are, you know, uh, located where and what their yeah. sales volume and all of that. Right. Those, those kind of direct marketing ads and stuff. I didn't have anything. Right. I mean, I had, I had a set of wheels and so, I drove around, I did a little research on the internet to see, you know, what kind of franchise dealer locations there were. I wanted to draw a line geographically so I didn't chase myself uh, all over because Phoenix is a, a geographically a very, very big market. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't think about it. And, and just last year we surpassed, uh, I think, Philadelphia for the uh, now the fifth largest, if I'm not mistaken, the fifth largest area in the country. <laughs> Nice. In terms of in terms of population, population right? Yeah. But with that, but with that comes this spread out <laughs> footprint, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a big, big area. And and I just I drove, I drove and looked, and just made some notes and said, okay, the Honda store here at Seventh and Bell, okay, next to it, right down the road, the Kia store, okay, a little farther down, another Toyota store, a Ford store, okay. So there's a there's a there's a there's a segment here of uh, auto automotive auto mall or something type of thing. right there's a segment here of automotive industry okay mm. uh where else okay I, there's a segment here and so i just i made these notes and then i slowly went back and canvassed the area uh may have talked to a salesperson or two before i actually went in mm-hmm. uh, may have looked online to capture information to find out who the management was who i wanted to speak to so i didn't walk in not knowing names or not knowing who to speak to or who to ask for. That's a big tip um, right there. That's a big tip, especially now. Right? Like you can go right online, go to the dealer website and look at like about us or contact yeah. us or some and shit like that. Have their staff. Yeah. Their staff a picture of their face. Yeah. Um, they might be you know who you're younger, looking for. <laughs> they might be five right. years younger in that picture, but uh, the picture of their That's face, true. their name, their position, how long they've been there, a little bio of them. So don't, yep. you know, it's easy to yep. go prepared. It's very easy to prepare, right? And that's uh, that's kind of one of my things I'm I'm focusing on this year is is mm-hmm. uh, kind of a preparedness message, so to speak. But um, nice. okay, cool. yeah, you know. But again, like life in general, you just don't know what you're going to get. For Gump said it best: you don't know what's in that box of chocolates, and you need to be prepared in in all things. Certainly, dent repair. Certainly, if you're starting your business, right? Yeah. And so I started knocking on doors, and there were some places I didn't go in with that information, yeah. and some places I did, and I did capture that information and say, Hey, I need to talk to Corey over here at Kleinfeld Motors. Right. Yeah. And, and know that that's the right contact. Yep. And I, and I then started knocking on doors and got used to hearing the word no. Yeah. And I got a pretty thick skin, but it, it really, it took its toll on me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't like to admit that because I like to think I'm this, you know, tough, tough brass hard guy, which I'm, yeah. but I'm not. Uh, it took a toll mentally on me where I was second guessing. Well, you're still human. What I'd done. I mean, you're still human. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You're still like a person and you get told no too many times. It's like, God dang it. Why, why did I, fu-? you said, started a question. Like, why did I pack up my family, move to Phoenix? Right. Like, what did I do? What did, did I, I, did I make the wrong choice? Right. Sure. Yeah. And um, the one thing in doing that, and, and this is, this is, you know, you can always learn, right? Every day you can learn something if you just pay attention. Yeah. And you know what I really learned and what it taught me? Uh, it, it, I learned that I, I, I had underestimated or kind of forgotten the fact that even though I had these travel assignments and things so on, I had 20, 21 years, let's call it about 21 years total time uh, with kind of a Chicago base, right? Mm-hmm. And the relationships and the yeah, people huge. and those degrees of separation, so to speak, were fewer yeah. and farther. And especially working at the auction level where I knew the buyers, the owners of some of the dealerships, uh, et cetera, the decision makers, you know, there wasn't, there weren't too many people that I didn't meet or didn't know that at least we knew somebody else or had a mutual friend or something totally. right in the totally. business. And I underestimated that relationship piece when I moved out here. 
Yeah. I mean, I could walk into a dealer now, any dealer I, have, I haven't been doing five years, I'll walk in, I'll, I'll know somebody, I'll know somebody yeah. just because yeah. like he used to work at this dealer or this body shop or the paint supply or the whatever. Right. And so right. You, you moved away from all of that, right. To, to yeah. brand new and you got yeah. to respect. And I'm just now getting back into that, right. Yeah. Where over now I've been here now six years in six years. Yes. People have moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say, though, about the Southwest, everybody's friendly. They told me no, but they were polite about it. And they gave me the time of day to at least speak to them. Right. Yeah. I didn't get booted immediately the way you would back in, say, Chicago or the Northeast yeah. or, you know, hey, get out of here. We already got 10 dent guys. You know, yeah. I don't need your card too. none of that. It was everybody was very friendly, at least. So, you know, at least it was a friendly uh, goodbye. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, totally. Um what do you, what any tips? So friendly, no, thank you, you know. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. What do you think tips on at least, at least you came into Phoenix with a skill, right? A confidence and a skill, like I can repair anything. And I, I know, you, and I, put it in front of me. Yeah. What's that? Put it in front of me. I'll fix it. I can repair anything. Put it in front of me. But and so, I couldn't, I, I didn't have that relationship, but you, I couldn't get those people to give me that chance. Right? Sure. Sure. So you, but you have that skill. So, and I, and I'm sure that you got a lot of work based off of, off of that skill. Give me the shot. I'll show you it's possible. Right. Do you have any tips or any insight? Might've lost him for a second. You still there, bud? Nope, I'm here. Okay. Someone tried to call you. Yeah, um, sorry. It's okay. We're all PDR guys are sitting in our trucks, right? He's a mobile guy. <laughs> Most podcasts I record for other people. I'm sitting in my damn truck. Cause I'm working. Um, any tips for people who are newer so they don't have relationships or a, they can't look at people and say, give me a car, I'll fix it. Right. Where do they start? What do you, what do you think on that? I, I think they need to say, I'm going to provide you, uh, I, if you give me the opportunity to do the repair, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to repair this. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, that's the honest answer. Yeah. You, you, and, and through that, then that newer technician is going to have to build that skill. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the only way it's on the job training. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's sure. the bottom line. Right. I think one other one other avenue, though, that could could help. And this is you know, this could be this isn't rocket science. Yeah. But this could be kind of the um, this could be a part of of um, maybe the way that the industry looks at it and, and, and evolves. And we just kind of know it and understand it internally. You don't necessarily need to go to a franchise car deal, you know, and yep. by franchise, <laughs> I mean this big uh, store with one, of the, yeah. with one of the big manufacturers logos out front. Right. Why not start at a, at, a, at a used car lot, a buy here, pay here? How about, you know, a small body shop? How about a Mako? How about something that's not at the, the cutting edge and say, here, I'm here and I'm ready to help and I'm looking for a shot. And yes, whilst I am, and you can admit or choose not to, the, that technician's choice, admit I'm new, I'm starting out, but I believe I can provide you with a service and a fair price, and it'll be a beneficial relationship both ways. Yeah. The technician gets the ability to work on cars and build a skill set. The dealership or the body shop gets somebody who's making an attempt, uh, tries to do everything correctly, maybe isn't quite at the, at the top dollar billing-wise or earning-wise. Okay but it's, but it's fair and it's all in line. Right. Yeah. And so when it, I, it truly is in line. Yeah. When I, I left working for Dempro in 2009, right. I graduated college. I uh, was like, I'm going to go into the white collar world. I don't need to do this like whole dent fixing thing left, did some sales stuff, all that stuff. Anyways, hated that. I'm like, I need my blue collar life back. I want my freedom. I want to drive around on fixed cars. Came back 2011 or 2012. And uh, that's where I had to start. I, we had a couple franchise dealers from, from my dad running the business. And I went to, we have a, a road in our, in Sacramento called Fulton Avenue. Right. And it's where all the non-franchise dealers are essentially where they all conglomerate. Right. Um, Jordan motors and pick the, pick the other country, like Armani motors and all these places. Right. I, that's where I cut my teeth and you're not going to fix a small dent there. Like they don't want the small dance fix. Like they're going to give you opportunities to fix really hard stuff for 80 bucks. <laughs> and uh, that's where you learn. That's how you make some money. That's how you learn. Yeah. That's how you get contacts. That's how you get better. So that maybe you can go into those franchise dealer accounts and say, put it in front of me. I'll fix it. 
right? right. And then you can start playing with uh, maybe like, maybe it's like minor league and major league or whatever you want to call it, right? Another thing that I say for new guys is like the ability that a new guy has that you and I, neither you and I have, Dave, is availability, right? Like their ability is availability, right? They can show up to the same place every single day of the week. I can't, I can't do yep. that. Like I, I have cars to fix, right? So, right. Yep. so use, use what you have. If it's not a dent repair skill, that's okay. Use what you have to get your foot into the door and start going down that road and, and just never be too, um, you know, to be humble enough to go in and work on something that you're, you're following on Facebook. You listen to the podcast. You're like, I'm supposed to get mobile tech, mobile tech RX price guide, right? It's not where you get to start, right? You got to start in a different spot and work your way up to that. Is that fair to say? That's a very fair statement. Awesome. And again, as I said, it's all in, it's, it's all in line. And what I meant by that was it's all in line. It's all relative mm-hmm. because, you know, these lots are, you know, they're, they're going to be market driven, obviously supply and demand yeah. on their inventory, but they don't have the hundred thousand dollar Tesla on that lot. They're selling the $15,000 uh, Corolla that may have a transmission issue. Right. But maybe. it needs to look decent, maybe, but it needs to look decent, but it's all in line. It's all relative that way. In, in where you are in that kind of um, in, in scale Skillset, to yeah. or in comparison to the big franchise dealer or, you know, you know, let's let's face it, the the ultra luxurious exotic dealer too right on the far on that far upper right of the corner of our of our spectrum here in Scottsdale, you know? Arizona, I'm guessing in Scottsdale. Right? <laughs> exactly. So let's go back to that that side of the world, because that's the world you and I mostly live in. Um, I actually don't do a lot of premier dealers like Porsche, Tesla. I don't do a lot of those. I do like the Ford, Ford, Nissans, all that stuff. But anyways, what do you see changing in that world over the next couple of years? I know we've talked about this a little bit, even in Arizona, um, when we were together last year, what's going to change? What do, what do we need to change as, as technicians in order to keep up with, you know, the times of not drilling holes, EV cars, etc. like that. What do you see and what are you working on? Let's, let's go down that, that path a little bit. Well, technology is what's changing, right? I mean, these, the, these cars that we drive are nothing but computers and tires, yeah. right? And, and, a, and a metal shell, right? Yeah, we I mean, that car things. records everything you do, every acceleration, mm-hmm. the miles per hour you hit, your deceleration, how quickly you decelerated. Did you use your blinker? It knows if you're turning right or left, because sometimes those headlights aim for you. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, these things are computers on wheels. That's the deal. It, it's technology that we have to contend with. You know, our repair process, I don't think is going to change much. Uh, again, like like we just said, uh, it, it was secret back then because, oh, we took a metal rod and we pushed the metal. Still do it. Right. <laughs> our repair, our repair process is not going to deviate yeah. much in terms of in terms of the principle and, and the desired end result. Totally. Right. Yeah. OK. Yes, we've got heat induction and electromagnetic induction and, you know, electric induction machines to help us with the, the molecular level with metal and so on. Um, but uh, the, the process is not going to change much. But we as an individual and a repairer or as a repair community need to change and adapt with the technology and the advancements that are, that are coming out because there are serious consequences if we don't right yeah. and it'll it, I, I i hate to say this uh you know I, at some point it's a matter of time i think until the pdr industry gets uh, uh yeah gets an, ex- a, an a example smack on the hand an example an example yeah. is made of yeah. I, I don't uh, i hate to say that you know and and in in doing that back to my preparedness statement yeah uh, in january of last year i sat down with my insurance agent and said let's let's reevaluate my liability policy yeah for sure let's look at that Mm. you know i i want to be and because i am now engaged with and working on teslas and so on am i covered you know i could very quickly do a lot of damage you know to a lot of high-end cars and and exceed my current liability coverage at a million bucks right yeah and for those that don't know too like you know we're talking about take a door sensor off of, uh, you know, Tesla's people assume they're, you know, all EV and stuff, but take a, take a door panel off of a new GMC Sierra and unplug, unplug it, unplug the mirror and everything, take door panel off to get down low on a door, right. And plug it back in. You were the last person to touch that. 
maybe the sensor in the mirror, the, the, um, what are those called? The, the lane sensor in the mirror was messed up before. Maybe it wasn't, nobody knew, not sure. Customer buys a car two weeks later, lane sensor doesn't work crash. Well, who's the last person to work on the car? Maybe it came to you or is that your shop, right? Maybe you did it there, right? Those are the, that's the kind of liability stuff that you're potentially talking about. And those are the kind of things that 10 years sure. ago, didn't really have to worry about it. Pull a taillight out with a couple of screws, undo the lights, put it back in. It's all analog stuff. It's not, it's just plug in, plug out. It's easy. Now it's getting right. more complicated. And I definitely see that changing. I definitely see that changing in the wholesale world on a, ma- on a mass scale because, you know, I'm, I work at a Ford dealer a lot too. The Mach-E's are coming out now. So that's going to be a mm-hmm. thing. The new F-150s have sensors all over them, right? More and more and right. more. What do we need to do as an industry, as technicians now to make sure that we, one, can save ourselves from liability and two, maybe have a competitive advantage over other dent companies that aren't doing those things? Without question. I, I agree with that 100%. And again, it, it's it's preparedness and it's opportunities that present themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I know a lot of guys that are going to cry poor, that think the sky is falling in this industry, right? We can see it on social media, uh, et cetera. And I'm not perfect by any means, uh, but what a great opportunity. Yeah. What a great opportunity to take this and twist it and spin it. And use it to your advantage. And whether that means a subscription to all data, whether that means a conversation with uh, your your account to tell them you're raising prices and explain why, mm-hmm. whether that is, uh, you know, whatever that looks like. There, there's going to be some things that are uncomfortable that need to be done, right? Um, so that we're not made an example of, because then it'll be really uncomfortable, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I, and I like to joke and, and tell the story. That as far as I know still, and I shouldn't, I, I'm not like... I don't know 100%, but I think this is accurate. I think Dave Stream and I are the only two IMI certified uh, hybrid electric mm-hmm. techs in Arizona. Yeah. You know, now that doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't gone on and done the ICAR uh, high voltage class, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a far cry, I think, from what's being offered either through Anson or from TDN as an example, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a much more in depth and hands on class. Sure. I'm not saying it, it doesn't take anything away from the body man that knows how to power down a car. Right. You know, but some of these body shops have spent uh, a, a huge amount of money on making sure that their people are trained and sending them to California to be Tesla certified and yeah. sending them over to the UK to be McLaren certified and, mm-hmm. you know, things that I see. And, and, and even even if it just is, the, you know, a normal shop where yeah. they continue to, to build and, and go through their online classes with with ICAR and, uh, you know, ASE, any other certifications, you know, mechanical wise. Yeah, And so be it. But again, it's an opportunity to grow and learn and then exploit that skill. You know, whether you're the new guy, whether you're the new guy and, and your, your ability is availability or you're the veteran guy and your ability is professionalism and experience and accreditation. Yeah. You know, it's there, right? It's yours totally. for the taking. Right. And this is, and to be full, I try to be as fully transparent as I can, because I never want people to think that I'm on the podcast preaching things and this and that. I am not IMI certified. I am not EV certified. I'm not certified in any of those things because for now there's still a way around it because the, how often I work on those cars is low, right? For now, but that's changing five years from now. I'll be working on probably EV cars daily or weekly, right? So I need to change in that regard. But for now, I'll take it to my shop who's certified. They'll tear it down for me. I'll walk in and fix it, right? Because there's still a workaround on that. But what I'm saying- and this is something I need to change this year in our business and get certified so we can take that in. One, it's a value add. You get to charge for it to make it happen, right? And it shows your professionalism. Um, the ability to work around that and go through a body shop or have the customer take the car to Tesla and they'll tear it down and power down and then I'll go fix it. That's okay for one-offs and it's okay for now. But five or 10 years from now, I think we need to change in order to be able to, because that that avenue will go away, right? I can't, I can't, if I'm fixing... 10 cars a week that are EV. I can't be like setting them all up at a different body shop, you know? So just full transparency. I'm not that. Do you need that today? Maybe not. Do you need an ICAR certification or a veil or PDR nation? Maybe not, but do you, will you need it down the road? I I agree with you and you've already gone down the road to do that. I think you will more and more. So every day, what do you think? I, I think so. Uh, you know, and, and I can comment, you know, on the European side, yeah. if you want to do PDR for the insurance industry, meaning hail, mm-hmm. there are some insurance carriers that, that, um, require you to provide an IMI 
PDR go. certificate. And, and IMI, just so everybody knows, stands for the Institute of the Motor Industry. Mm -hmm. That's the governing body that's UK-based, but is globally recognized. So I zoomed over, uh, I can't remember when it was, I think it was August of 19, because I didn't do any travel last year. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, 2020, let's just erase that, right? So it was, 20, it was 2019, and I did, my, I did my PDR certification at TDN, and I just used it as a mileage grab because, you know, I love to fly and travel anyway. So I jumped on an airplane and zoomed over and, and literally made it a weekend trip. I left on Thursday afternoon. Uh, we, we had non-stops back then from Phoenix to, yeah. to London. We yeah. don't today. Yeah, they'll, they'll come back, of course. Yeah, they'll come back, yeah. Um, but, you know, so it was easy for me. I take the 315 uh, out of here and, and you land in London the next morning at 7 a.m. I grab my rental car and uh, oh, stopped man. by the grocery store and got some fruit and some water, which is my my little routine, and then drove up to to TDN up in Peterborough and and um, did my certification. And actually, that that day in particular, Kevin over at TDN had arranged to have one of the guys from IMI, I think Peter was his name, if I'm not mistaken, that's cool, uh, to to be there to to see that TDN were doing everything properly. Mm -hmm. when they when they perform the testing of the technicians nice. or, or not you know when they when they provide the test right and so i went through and and did the dent repair you have to dis, you have to um, display that you know how to take a door panel off you have to display and do everything in a, in a particular order because the the intent is to build it as a system mm -hmm. and then if all of a sudden you know if i had a heart attack in the middle of it you could come in behind me and pick up because it's exactly. a systemized, structured process, right? And a lot of body shops do that with their parts caddies and the way that they have things labeled or put into bags. And you, you know the technicians who are good and are methodical, right? And, and they have a habit and they, they make use of it. And they're the ones that reassemble and put things back together correctly. So same, same kind of thing, but then it's for the PDR and the cosmetic industry where you're now certified and you have demonstrated your ability to perform at this at this kind of higher level right and so that's one thing going on in europe that i think is amazing um but again some of the some of the european laws are different for uh for filing a claim you know the insurance companies don't just pay out to the vehicle owner the the money goes to the repair shop not to the vehicle owner mm -hmm. so if you file a hail claim you can't cash out the way yeah. you can here Interesting. so it's a little different it's yeah. a little different industry overall right with some things that are different sure. but yeah you know so i i'd love to see and like you said we may at some point need that veil certificate or yeah. uh you know whatever whatever that governing body ends up being uh that has the authority right yeah for sure um yeah totally agree i think we're on the same page on that and i think you know professionalizing and certifying and making sure you can take care of all aspects of of getting to the dent and fixing the dent is going to be more and more important as we go down the road. Um, another thing, a big, big part of the industry that I'm curious to ask you about is, uh, is PDR shops. I think that is w another way to professionalize, legitimize, et cetera. We have a shop, but we don't use it. We don't market it. It's not a bit, we do some jobs there, um, but it's not, you know, people don't look at me and say, Oh yeah, that guy's a PDR shop. And same thing with you. They know you're a mobile guy, route guy. Um, what do you think about PDR shops? Do you think there'll be more and more of them? Do you think you'll ever get one? Do you think they're necessary? Or do you think we can do just as good in this industry being in our, in our vans and trucks? You want to know about PDR shops? Call Matt Moore. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's the <laughs> Hands truth. down. Yeah, sure. That's the truth. Yeah. Here, here's, here's the deal. Uh, and I have, a, I have an answer for this because I've given thought to it. Yeah. I'm choosing currently because I don't know what I want to do yet when I grow up. Yeah, I'm choosing not to have a shop right now. Yeah, um, I don't want to have the overhead. I have kind of established myself as a mobile yep. service. My customers, meaning my dealership customers, my body shop customers, know I will go mobile to to one of their customers' homes. Yep, I provide that service. They think it's amazing. They know I'm going to behave properly. Mm -hmm. You know, and be an extension of of the reputation of my customer, so to speak. Sure. I think the idea of a PDR shop is absolutely amazing. It's so untapped. And, and, and I think the industry is going to become PDR first, meaning the automotive uh, repair, uh, body repair industry is going to become a PDR first industry. And I say that because of the automation of vehicles. Back to my statement, these are computers on wheels, right? Mm -hmm. 
how many times how, how these new cars any of these 2020s 2021s you can't even put the car in to drive without the door being closed dude i right? yeah i did that idea like what last year or whatever i was trying yeah. to back it yeah. up and just look out the driver door and it's like nope not gonna happen brother I, shut the door to drive I, I drive a 2016 yeah mercedes metris workman yeah if i'm driving and i open my door the thing wants to jam into park Certainly if I'm like less than five miles an hour, right? It'll just like stop. <laughs> it just stops. Yeah. It throws itself into park, right? Yeah. The reason I'm saying this, you know, look at these sensors, look at the calibration piece, the technology piece, the collision avoidance, the lane departure, the adaptive cruise control, the parking self-driving. The self-drive <laughs> feature, right? You know, Tempe was Tempe, Arizona here was the center self-drive for quite a while until that unfortunate accident, but yeah. it's still, you can, I could still take you to the holding lot where all those vehicles are. Right. Yeah. But that, that self-drive and that direction of automation in the car business is why I'm telling you it's going to be PDR first because the satellites and the, and the uh, uh, artificial intelligence are going to take over from maybe not your driveway and maybe not the street you live on, but the next street that you turn on, that's the main drag for your neighborhood to get you to your office or wherever you're going, that, you know, big brother is going to take over your vehicle. Yeah. You're going to be like the pilot on an airplane. You're going to be in control of taxiing that thing out of the gate yep. to the runway. That plane can take off on its own. Yeah. That plane you, can land on its own. You got to press a couple the buttons pilot, to make sure it does that, but it does it on its own. <laughs> the pilot's there if the computer goes, oh, oh shit, I don't know what to do with all this data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Human yeah. takeover. Yeah. The cars are going to become that, right? They already are. Yeah. And so your it's just collisions, not legal yet. It's just not legal yet. Yeah. Your collisions, these heavy hits are going to go away. This is my prediction. Yeah. Therefore, PDR first is going to be the rule because you're going to get the garbage can bump in the garage, right? You're mm. going to get the bicycle falling on it. You're going to get the parking lot ding. It's going to be PDR first because it's not going to be airbag deployment and catastrophe because the collision avoidance is going to stop that. It's going to be a while completely because there's still so many older cars that don't have that information. And they can't, yeah, they can't. And they can't be retrofitted, right? No, no. But that's what I <clears throat> see happening. So is it smart to have a PDR shop? If you want to do that and make that commitment, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But then make that commitment and get in with your insurance agents, get mm -hmm. in with the estimators, make sure they know what's capable in your market. Do dog and pony shows, put on a barbecue. Hey, stop by at Thursday at 5.30 for hot dogs and lemonade. Let me show you what PDR is actually capable of or you know do an open house and, and kind of celebrate it and get that industry involvement invite the body shop customers invite your dealership people mm -hmm. uh you know i i and i understand the slave to the grind with the hours and the you know in the retail car sales and body shops sure. you may not get everybody you're going to need to do a few of those a year but it's a tremendous way to, to gain traction and then of course we have this great uh, you know marketing people in our industry that are willing to help and you know create the uh uh, the online presence and the geotagging, geofencing for you, and you know, and, and the, the the relationship, the CRM things, the retention models, yeah. The, yeah. the penetration that just you know, the sky is the limit right now with a right. PDR shop. Yeah, and if you don't but, understand what what Dave's talking about with the CRM stuff and the automation and the geotags and all that stuff, then that is a sign to you to go learn those things, right? To become a more legitimate, professional, growing. PDR business because everybody, every legit business out there that's successful is doing email marketing is, has a CRM program, which is a customer retention management program, um, is doing geotagging or fencing or, you know, SEO marketing, all those things, right? These are all things we need to at least have on our radar. So we understand whether to do it yourself or to hire somebody to do it, right? If you want to keep moving forward and pushing this industry as long as well as your business forward into like what the world is now and not what it was 10 years ago. Again, another avenue for opportunity, right? Yeah. So yes, I think, I think the PDR, having a PDR shop is amazing. Yeah. Do I want it? I don't know. I, I, I got to tell you, I don't know because I, I built this mobile piece and well, I think it would be amazing I think I would have to, I, I would want to clone myself times three, right? Mm -hmm. So that I knew I had somebody at the shop doing the way I would want it done. And I'm not trying to be a control freak, Yeah. but you know, Matt Moore has been brilliant at this where he has, he has a process, right? And he and his wife have put together manuals. So when a hail car comes in, 
this is what we do. One, two, three. When a customer comes in with a with a side swipe, this is what we do. One, two, three. When a customer comes out with a shopping cart dent, one, two, three. Every contingency is covered. That way, and when so he hires somebody and says, "Here's what I need you to do. Here's your binder. Here's Read your playbook. it. <laughs> this is right. how I do it. This is how you're going to do it." Right. Yeah. It's the playbook, right? Just yeah. like uh, you know, you you memorize your football plays in school, yep. right? Exactly. School. So it's a playbook. And and again, that's why I say I would I would clone myself uh, and yeah. have one in the shop and then have another one. Uh, doing my my mobile business and then i could separate myself and begin to grow and concentrate on growing that shop right yeah and do what's necessary but that's why i say and and i'm still kind of reeling in the fact that i made the jump from you know corporate employee six years ago to being <laughs> still my settling own in boss and still like i still am giddy like yeah hey i'm the boss yeah i do whatever i want i can i can make that purchase i can go I can to ihop tomorrow off I can go to IHOP, right? <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm still giddy in that fact, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah and and, and sure. still, still, you know, I, and I'm growing without, I, I hate to say this, this is going to sound arrogant. I'm growing without trying because I'm very lucky. Yeah. My, one of, one of my dealerships has built two more, uh, two more franchise dealers on their property. I love, so without, I love to say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Don't know where I heard it. It's a quote from somebody. Yeah. You, lucky you were prepared for this. You have the right contacts. You have the relationships. People trust you. You deliver every single day, et cetera. The opportunity came up and it worked for you. So we call right. it luck. It's really not yeah. luck because if you hadn't done all those things you did, it wouldn't have been lucky, right? True. Very true. Yeah. So, you know, I, this that's year fantastic. I'm growing without trying, you know, and that's a... That's it's it's big. It's hard. It's big, but it's hard for me to say it in the face of what's gone on over the last year. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I just I've been fortunate because I know people that have been shut down. Sure. On the East Coast, right? Yeah. All of our all of our mm -hmm. uh, uh, colleagues on the East Coast. You know, yeah. places were closed. Automotive was closed. I mean, yeah, I'm in California. You know, I feel it. Dude. Periods of time. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shutdowns in California. You as well. Sorry. Yeah, we just, um, I'm looking number one that I'm talking. To. Yeah, I'm a mobile guy, and I got you know, the shutdowns came, and I said, unless there's a cop standing at the end of my driveway, I'm going to go do what I have to do. You know, that's yeah, just what it came down to. And the dealers found a way to make it work online sales, right. or whatever. So, uh, but there, there was yeah. actually, as far as dealers go, there was a lot worse off than California. I know California is like put up as this just because the we're California and we're like a you know, fifth largest economy in the world or whatever, like we're put up as this thing. Dealers in other states had it way worse. I know New York and other places were like full on shutdown. Ontario, Canada, yeah. I have a client up there, yeah. full like no one is yeah. selling a car. Not online, not right. this. There's like one person going into the shop. It was like the GM slash sales manager slash now salesperson slash internet manager, and everyone else is gone. So right. we didn't have it quite as bad. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. But to give you perspective on it, and you're saying that you're always giving back to the industry, right? And so so for you to for you to grow, right? I think as much as you give back into the industry and into what gave you the life that you have, you get back, right? And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I see that. Sure. I see as, as I give back to the industry, all of a sudden I'm getting lucky, right? All of a sudden I'm getting lucky or like people call me that I don't know and want to sign up for my coaching or people call me, you know, I get the opportunity to have Matt Moore call me and ask me questions or other people call me and ask I think that's, that's lucky, but it's, it's not, right? You give back create those opportunities for you. And then all of a sudden it feels like, it feels like luck, but you've sure. put out a lot of effort. I mean, I know you have like the things you talk about now, the preparedness thing, the fact that you're on mobile tech RX with the wholesale guide, you've been on all the podcasts. You've been, I mean, you're, you've been helpful. And I think that comes back in, in, in other ways. So you're probably correct. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where I was going with that with, you know, I, I kind of, my, my notoriety with independence came because, you know, I had, reached out to Vince D'Alessandro, who yeah. I knew years ago in Chicago, mm. you know, and mm. then he, he kind of, he's the one responsible to, you know, kind of put me out there on Open social media. That's awesome. You know, and, and now, yeah. And again, and matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. I know it's your podcast, but I'm going to say this. Vince and I had a conversation the other day and he asked me about why we do what we do. And my simple answer, and what and what he meant by that was why why are there a, a, a number of us in the industry that are giving back? And I I flat out answered him. It's a simple answer. 
it's not it's not the notoriety it's not the prestige it's not the blah 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 whatever it's just the right thing to do you know it's the right thing to do and we were raised right and now we're going to give back to the industry that's given us so much right into that absolutely and that's that was that was kind of the that, that was that was my quick and easy answer. I think Vince was waiting for some big philosophical, Epiphany. you know, yeah, yeah, seven hour conversation. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I get it. I'm going to end on that, man. I think that's a good takeaway. Um, yep. Anything else before we go that you want that you want to share? Anything new you got going on? Want us to pay attention to, or or anything before we before we pack it up and let you get back to fixing cars? Um, I I have really nothing big going on at the moment. Yeah. A lot of things are still kind of on hold. Uh, you know, there's not, and I, I don't individually, I don't personally have anything, you know, big. Uh, Dave Strain and Don Kavanaugh have invited me to, to do a little spot on their dream event. Yes. Uh, which awesome. I think, I think I'm going to take them up on their offer. That's exciting. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Kiko has a few things going on. Mm. Uh, as you know, I do some of their training and sure. uh, so on. We were all in Oklahoma City about three weeks ago. Uh, two or three weeks ago, something like that. Uh, and they've got a few things that are, that are coming that are going to be, uh, again, uh, good for the industry. And again, there's, there's some people I think that are naysayers and maybe don't quite understand mm -hmm. Chris White's model or aren't, aren't completely immersed in what Kiko does besides mm -hmm. just glue tabs. Yeah. And, and, you know, Chris is, Chris is slowly. We can do another podcast on that, man. <laughs> of course. But, you know, with Kiko and, and Cam Auto and Spinezy and some of those, you know, other other companies getting into the adhesive repair business, they're they're changing culture in the collision industry. But don't forget that morphed from PDR, mm -hmm. plain and simple. That came yep. from PDR, from us using glue tabs to fix roof rails for hail. Yeah. Period. And that's an amazing uh, caveat of our industry. Is now you know it's the vision of the the company owners to go bigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, bigger tabs, bigger pulling equipment, et cetera, to help the collision industry. But overall, that helps the repair industry because it's a cleaner repair. Yeah. 100%. You know, it's they're they're changing culture, right? Again, yeah. why weld the why weld the weld the what are the copper rod on there and pull it when you can stick a glue tab and pull it? Like honestly, why glue do, tab? Yeah. Why do and that? Not burn and not burn through the eco. Not mess up the paint. It's yeah, a better eco, repair yeah. for the vehicle. Period. Yeah. Right. I agree. It's change. Here, yeah. Here's 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 what we're gonna end on. It's change. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Oh, phew, dude, that's some of my changed, podcast. Right? Some of my life. <laughs> that's right? awesome. If you ever need, if you ever feel like you want to talk to like, you know, hundreds of dent guys in one hour and come talk about what's changing or if Kiko allows you or anybody and you want to do that, I'm always open. We can even throw an additional podcast in on my normal week. So if you ever have anything big you want to announce, I have the ear of hundreds of people every single week and I'm always willing to have you on. So just so you know sure. All right. We're going to end all that. I appreciate you coming on and looking forward to seeing you in person again, hopefully in May. We'll see. I will see you. I, I will be there in May. I'll be there. Barring any, you know, unforeseen government, circumstances of governmental. my family. <laughs> or that. Uh, the, the government might not stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I am booked. I will, be, uh, I will be there in May. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Corey. Right. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.